0: Last time I was here, it was a ghost town. Yeah.
1: Queen Novo thought it was important to return our village to its former glory.
0: And now, I officially open the Glad to Be a Hippogriff Festival! <laughs> Yay! Glad to be a Hippogriff.
1: There's a festival. Well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul. I am not an animal expert.
0: I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. We are today talking about the Hippogriff. But first, let's bring back our special April first guest, New Mexico rancher Cotton Shorts, who has been with us before Yay. to talk about dragons and jackalopes, and now today he's here to talk about Hippogriffs. Welcome, Cotton Shorts. Yeah. Welcome back.
2: Oh, oh it's good to be back. Sorry I couldn't make it last year. I had myself a bad case of Corvid nineteen. Corvid? <laughs> oh dear.
0: Oh dear, what's that?
2: I was trapped in the house by a bunch of crows.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 19 crows?
2: <laughs> yeah, it turns out they wanted to use the Wi-Fi. Oh. <laughs> they were playing Mario Kart. Yeah, and you only have that Wi-Fi for like one day out of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's that's because that's the day when they're in the process of resetting everything, you know, because the whole area has been uh, off limits. Sure. <laughs> the whole area is secret. Yeah. It's so secret that they, they they forgot to
1: classify it.
0: <laughs> Goodness. We're always
1: grateful that you can spend part of your, your limited time with us yes, every year. We indeed. really do appreciate it.
0: We appreciate it, and we'll try not to waste your time. You, you know, it's very valuable.
2: It's kind of like living on Leap Year only. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, just a reminder to everybody, go to varmints.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at, at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We have a Pinterest board run by a Varminian whom we adore. Please go to pinterest.com, put podcast" in the search engine, and you'll see our page. If you want to look at our merchandise and maybe get some, go over to Redbubble, put varmints into the search engine and you can see our coffee cups and cell phone covers and notebooks and leggings and shower curtains and <laughs> whatever they have. It's a it's the wild west out there. I don't know what they do, so <laughs> Alright. If you like our show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast where everywhere podcasts are found and word of mouth is the very best way To help us grow, so let us learn about hippogriffs.
1: Have you ever wondered about animals? What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. So it's time to learn about animals. So yes, we are talking about hippogriffs today with our guest expert Cotton Shorts Hippogriffs are flying carnivores with the body tail and back legs of a horse, the head and wings of an eagle, and uh, eagle's talons as its front front feet. The earliest fossils of hippogriffs are millions of years old. They have been found in France mostly, so that's where we think that animal kind of got started, but those animals started breeding and then they dispersed to different parts of Pangea which is that hypothetical landmass that existed when all the continents were joined. So there wound up being hippogriffs in all continents, including Antarctica, interesting enough.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Not very many animals that are in every single continent. Yes. So there are several subspecies of hippogriffs that are all roughly the same size, anywhere from 56 to 72 inches tall, which is uh, a meter and a half to two meters to its withers, which is right around where the neck meets the back. They can weigh in anywhere between 900 to 1,200 pounds or 400 to 550 kilos with a wingspan of about 11 feet or three and a half meters, making it easily the largest flying carnivore. They also come in about 10 different colors, most of which are an adaptation to the area that they live in. (laughs) A hippogriff males are called griffins, Females are called fillies, and hippogriff young are called foals or fledglings. And we get the word hippogriff from the ancient Greek. Hippo is the ancient word for horse, and grippo, which means curved or hook. So two ancient Greek words there.
2: There's all sorts of them. The ones down in Antarctica. These are like uh, snow, snow beasts, as it were. Snowy owls and half a Shetland pony. <laughs> oh wow. You always get confused when you see one coming. (laughs) They're also one of the only nocturnal versions because it's nighttime half the world away down there. That's why they got the snowy owl bits. Sure. Yeah. So they can hunt penguins at night. (laughs) (laughs) If you're ever out fishing in the in in an Arctic sea and a penguin drops out of the sky, that's because it slipped out of the grip of a hippogriff.
1: Oh wow! I did not know that.
0: Good to know. Yeah. I'll, I'll remember that next time I'm fishing in the in the Arctic Sea. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, I get down there and they 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 tend to move north to overwinter where it ain't quite so cold. You know, because snowy owls and all is good, but the back end is still a horse, right? Sure. <laughs> and they ain't that good at sitting on eggs. <laughs> no. I mean, that's one of the problems that they have gestationally speaking.
1: Can't sit on the eggs very well without crushing them. Is that it?
2: Yeah, they pretty much have to lay them someplace where it's going to be warm enough where they can't, where the, where the air temperature is going to take care of them. So they have to go at least as far north as Patagonia. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you get up there and, and, and people walking around, they think, where does ostrich egg come from? <laughs> it's a baby hippogriff. Yeah, well, it would be, except at that point, it's still an egg. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's usually an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, critters like this—they do—they ha- do have trouble. I mean, not that they're bad at protecting their nest if they're not out flying around hunting for food. They do not, however, have the best sense of direction.
0: Well, that must be why there aren't very many of them.
2: Well, that's one of the reasons. That, and people keep trying to take them for pets.
0: Oh, that seems like sure. a bad idea. Are they really cute babies or something?
2: Oh yeah, they're really cute babies, you know. Uh, but they're they're the most abandoned pet in the um, exotic pet world.
0: Oh, I did not know oh, that. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. I didn't yeah, know well,
2: that either. Well, it's a really cute fledgling when you when you get the thing, and you and, and somebody you know, like from New York, will buy it and stick it in a 300 square foot apartment. They don't realize they need to stretch their wings a bit, uh, and and then they get out. Well, they you know they had a couple of problems with city life. Uh, first of which is that, and like I said, they need to. Uh, uh, scratch their wings and big cities especially especially back there on the east coast they they never heard about underground wiring so they get hung up in the wires oh, oh no, that's awful
0: that's terrible and,
2: and then the neighborhood cats start going missing once they figure that bit out
0: oh my goodness oh, no. well
1: it sounds like out in the desert on your ranch it seems like that would be an ideal habitat for them yeah lots of room
2: yeah and they don't they don't have any windows to run into Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a bonus. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough when a regular bird runs into your window, but when you've got nine hundred pounds of angry Cuisinart coming in through the skylight, you got
1: a problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, for sure. the The
1: windows, the window's gonna lose every time on that one.
0: <laughs> yes. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I
2: Like I tell people, they're good to look at, but you don't want to take one home with you.
0: Yes, I can you see know, it's that. one thing they're a
2: mess to clean up.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, I know the audience is going to want to know, the Varminians definitely want to know, is their poop more like bird poop or is it more like horse poop?
2: Well, in order to get bird poop, you got to have yourself something called a cloaca. Right. And the back end of a horse does not have a cloaca.
0: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> true. The back
2: end of a horse is got the back end of a horse.
0: Ah, so, yes. so it's regular poops just look like horse poop?
2: Well, sort of, because horses, well, that's one of the things about the hippogriffs. And the problem is it comes down to feeding them because the front end wants meat and the back end wants grass.
0: (laughs) Sure. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh,
2: dear. And so, yeah, it's one of the unexpected expenses of housing them is that you've got uh, every month or so they go through a whole barrel of veggie burgers.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of their adaptations. So I learned that the hippogriff, this is pretty crazy, They have, since their front bit is like an eagle, they actually have the eyesight of an eagle which is really sharp, like four or five times what a human can see. They can see really, really, really far. But there is a sort of a downside to it, and that is that their eyes are set on the sides of their head a little bit more like horses and not quite like eagles, so they're not completely forward-facing. So that means they can only see perfectly on one side at a time. <laughs> they actually have to use some <laughs> other, other senses to be such great hunters. The, the eagles can rely on their sight, but the hippogriff has to rely on other senses as well. Have you found that to be so...
2: Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny when they're out there hunting, you know, and they do keep the jackalope population down. <laughs> um, but it's a normal falcon will stoop on its prey, so it'll dive straight down. But the hippogriff wants to come in sideways, so if you've ever seen something sidling out of the air...
1: Oh my. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but they do have pretty good hearing, you know, so they can detect things that are underground and because they have a a sort of directional sense of hearing Which helps keeps them, keep them oriented
0: Oh <laughs> my goodness But well, They sidle out of the air Very fast <laughs> Yep I'd really love to see that
2: They don't come in for a landing straight They come in for a landing sideways
0: Wow That has to be something to see We should really visit your ranch one year If we can ever manage to get down oh, there Oh I'd love to That would be so yep. cool
2: Just don't try to use a GPS
0: No no, we'll have to rely no. on regular directions, unfortunately.
1: There's there's probably a lot of paperwork, too. I yeah. <laughs> no, have
2: to rely on local directions. If you're relying on regular directions, you won't get there. you got to rely on local directions.
0: Oh, well, that's <laughs> going to be pretty creative and entertaining. So what did you find out, Paul?
1: Oh, you know, I was wondering how something so big can even get airborne in the first place. Right. Um, and it comes down to wingspan, speed, and strength. So huge wingspan, as I mentioned, 11 feet or three and a half meters. It's just slightly bigger than an Andean condor, which is, it's huge. And as far as speed, well, they have the rear legs and hindquarters of a horse that generate a lot of power. So speeds of up to 55, 60 miles an hour, not a problem. Um, whenever I'm on an actual airplane, I'm always amazed at how something so big it can get up in the air and sustain flight. It turns out that a lot of today's modern airplane design is inspired by watching hippogriffs take off and land.
0: Oh, I did not know um, that.
1: Yeah. So when beginning to take flight, a hippogriff, they need a lot of room, like a big runway kind of situation. They don't just, like, hop up in the air and start flying. They'll run at top speed with wings extended. And at a certain speed, the hippogriff, um, the wings kind of create, you know, the air moves. It creates lift under the wings. They go up. The rear part of the hippogriff, hippogriff drops down slightly. And I couldn't find out what it was propelled by, like what keeps it going in the air. But I imagine the veggie burgers um, have a lot to do with that.
2: I was going to say, if, you want, if you're looking for buoyancy, you have to look for their diet. <laughs> Let's sure. just say they produce a lot of methane.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's a propellant and a buoyancy kind of thing. Yep.
2: Yeah. Well, they get a little extra speed that way. I mean, generally speaking, they pick up a lot of speed. I mean, they can either run for it. But, you know, the front end is kind of like a... The front end has those talons on it. So, once they get up above a gallop, they're really only running with their last two feet. And they took their front feet up underneath them. And it looks kind of really funny. The other <laughs> thing they can do is jump off a cliff. <laughs> oh, my
0: oh, God. No. <laughs> oh, no. <Wow. laughs> oh, no. Oh, ah.
2: no. Yeah. Yeah, they do try... That, that's how they teach youngins to fly. Is that the parents will pick them up in their jaws and take them up really high and drop them.
0: Oh, my goodness. And the
2: smart ones... Get the smart ones figured out before it hit the ground.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: <laughs> oh dear.
0: So they must be uh, they end up being a pretty smart species, I would imagine because all, all of the dumb ones are sort of just don't make it. so
1: well, at least the ones that can't figure it out how to flap first and ask questions later. <laughs> so so when you look up in the sky and you see a little stream of, of smoke that could be an airplane, but it could also be a hippogriff flying overhead. It I mean it, it wouldn't be a chem it wouldn't be a chemtrail because that would be ridiculous, but it could be a hippogriff. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a hippogriff because, you know, uh, well, most of them
2: American trails, are that that that's formed by a water vapor in the air, being of a slightly different temperature than the air around it. Which right, causes right. the water to crystallize and come out. Now imagine doing that with methane. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. So, you're going to tell us a little bit about their digestive system. Let's go ahead and just use that as our segue to just get right into the gut, you know?
1: Here we go.
2: Well, like I said, they're bird in the front and herbivore in the back. They like to eat meat, of course, but they try to eat things that have eaten a lot of vegetables. They're very fond of fat cows. Oh, Oh, my goodness. So am (laughs) I. Yeah. Yeah. And they they, they they tend to go for the stomachs first. And that way they can get the the partially digested matter out of there. The problem with them is that they have gizzard stones that help them break down things into smaller chunks that they, they eat. And sometimes, especially in the modern era, they'll swallow something that's a bit too heavy for them. Uh, and so they have to throw it up again.
0: Oh, oh lovely. Dear.
1: Oh, that's unpleasant.
2: Yeah, part of a hippogriff's pre-flat ritual is puking up their gizzard stones.
0: Oh, my goodness.
2: Ew. If you've ever seen those little cairns that are all over the Upper Midwest on the hiking trails, that's uh, that's what happens when a hippogriff gets rid of its gizzard stones. They pop out and then land in little piles.
0: Oh my goodness! I, oh, didn't I thought know
2: that. I thought like hippies did that.
0: <laughs> it's hippogriffs, not hippies.
2: Yeah, people think they're trail markers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people like those things. They
1: take pictures of them.
0: Yeah, they do for sure.
1: By the way, I I looked up the uh, the correct anatomical term for the, the rear end of, of a hippogriff. And it's it's the beehole. Oh my like goodness.
0: The beehole. Yeah, it's, it's
1: the bee the beehole.
0: Just the same as all yep. other animals. How about that?
2: Yeah. Well when you get talking about hippogriffs it's like
0: Or the animals with the beehole, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Don't listen to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyway they digest their food in, in a couple of different processes. They have actually got Multiple stomachs. You know, once it goes through the grinder, then it goes down into the main stomach and gets something off into these other stomachs. And then it goes into the fermentation chamber, which is where they produce most of the useful gases.
0: Well, you need that for buoyancy.
2: Yep. Definitely need things to be lighter than air. So what will happen is in order to keep themselves buoyant, they heat the gas up. You get a very slow burn. If you have <laughs> a little bit of the methane and a teeny little, 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 tiny, tiny amount of oxygen and it creates buoyancy. The last thing you ever want to encounter is a constipated hippogriff.
0: Oh my goodness!
2: <laughs> because that escape valve is very sophisticated and oh my is used goodness. as the yeah. You, you, I don't know if you've seen SpaceX launching those rockets. Well, their nozzles are based off of the hippogriff design. Oh wow! I mean, not only is it not on. Not only is it throttleable, it's directional.
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> Is crazy. So, so how I'm, does this I'm all assuming... work? Oh, I'm sorry. We both have questions. Let's. You go ahead, Paul.
1: No, I'm. I'm assuming that on your ranch, the hippogriffs and the jackalopes are are kept very far apart. That was oh, my question. Safety. That
0: is exactly what I was going to ask. because <laughs> you said they like to hunt the jackalopes, but we know from when you came to talk to us about jackalopes a few years ago uh, on April 1st that you. You told us how explosive they can be, so that seems like not a good combination. Why do they hunt them?
2: Why does a cat chase a laser pointer?
0: <laughs> oh, that's true.
2: <laughs> There's nothing in their natural environment that would tell them that that is a bad idea.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Until a few seconds too late.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. oh, my. Oh, no. That's terrible. Yeah, uh, so
2: we try yeah, we try to keep the populations apart generally.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, sure. It, uh, it, it helps that the uh, that the hippogriffs are largely crispicular creatures, being awake primarily at dusk and dawn. Sure. When the sure. when the jackalopes are not so active.
0: Yeah, that helps.
2: The the fact that they are active at the at, at the wee hours of the morning and the and and evening period at night does become somewhat problematical when people turn on their headlights
0: oh dear <laughs> yes so what can you tell us about the iucn status of the hippogriff
2: well like i said they're one of the they're one of the uh, the problem is that people keep taking them out of the wild out of the wild places and and, and trying to raise them there's a huge market for for hippogriff eggs oh, it's really I sad. that's really yeah, sad it's very sad yeah they, they take the eggs away and then and you know, in some places they're considered a delicacy. In some places they are there for some reason that I cannot understand. Especially in goat herding communities, they're considered
0: a
1: nuisance. <laughs> That's odd.
0: So, are they are they uh, endangered, or are they? Oh yeah,
2: they they, they would be. They are they, they are protected by the North American Flyway Treaty, which protects all migratory animals all migratory birds. There, there was some discussion whether they should be counted as birds considering they're half horse. And there was an argument that was actually put forth by someone who was not thinking terribly clearly that
1: they could only hunt the back half. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let me uh, thank the Patreon supporters. Guys, thank you so much for donating a little bit of money to the show every month. We really, really do appreciate it. It's what keeps the podcast free for everybody and free from your ear holes, from having to hear stupid dumb ads, which we don't like to, to, to run, and which we will never run, as long as you are giving us money on Patreon. So thank you for your support, and let's talk about hippogriffs and pop culture and a couple other things.
0: Yes. Hey there everyone, Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. The first time that we see hippogriffs in literature comes in the early 16th century. And it appears in a poem called Orlando Furioso by Ludovico Ariosto. And within the poem, the hippogriff is a steed born of a mare and a griffin, something that would be considered impossible. It is extremely fast (laughs) and presented as being able to fly around the world and to the moon. It is written by magicians and the wandering knight Ruggiero, who from the creature's back frees the beautiful Angelica. And a character called Astolfo also borrows the hippogriff from a character called Bradamante to go and search for Roland's wits occasionally. (laughs) So... This is pretty fun stuff. So epic poetry was something that happened before television and movies. <laughs> it was <laughs> poetry, but epic. It was really, 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 really long. And there's a lot of work from the Middle Ages that is that fits right into this area of poetry. And I don't have time to get into it properly, but if you're interested in medieval literature and epic poems, there's a young lady... On YouTube that has a channel called The Medieval Reader and also the Francophile Reader and I don't have a clip or anything because there's just Too much to go through but she has a playlist Where she reads Orlando Furioso Along with you and adds Some historical commentary and it's Really interesting so Go on over there I'll leave a link In the show notes go check out her channel And become literate About the medieval epic Poetry stuff So here's a little clip of Just a little sample, I should say. I'm gonna have to read it myself, but here's a sample of the cantos in which the hippogriff appears in the in the long poem. No fiction wrought magic lore, but natural was the steed the wizard pressed. For him a filly to griffin bore, height hippogriff, in wings and beak and crest, formed like his sire as in his feet before, but like the mare his dam in all the rest. Such on Rephaean heels, though rarely found, are bred beyond the frozen oceans bound. And here's another one. Drawn by enchantment from his distant lair, the wizard thought about how to tame the foal and in a month instructed him to bear, saddle, and bit, and to gallop to the goal and execute on earth or in air all shifts of manege, course, and car- caracole. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> he with such labor wrought, this is only real, where all the rest was hollow and ideal. And according to Thomas Bullfinch in The Legends of Charlemagne, it has the head of an eagle with uh, claws armed with talons and wings with feathers and the rest of its body being a horse. This strange animal is called a hippogriff. The hippogriff is said to be an evil spirit resting and possessing its soul in that of a horse and a griffin. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so scary.
2: I'd say more armory than evil.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a, a Spanish historian called Vidal who said This creature was supposed to live near Serre in the country of Rusilon of modern-day France during the Middle Ages. Claw marks were found on a rock near Mass The belief in existence of the hippogriff, such as Ariosto describes, is fiercely attacked in the Scientific Essay on Religion in 1862, which argues that such an animal can neither be a divine creation nor truly exist. (laughs) (laughs) The Book of Enoch quite clearly details how Satan and his fallen angels created various hybrids of admixture the Sphinx is the most well-known such hybrid. The Hippogriff is supposed to be a mixture of several animals, and the author notes that in order to support its weight, the wings would be so heavy that flight would be impossible, which proves without question that it does not exist. Well, what do you say to that, Cotton?
2: <laughs> he ain't never been bit wide
1: one, has he? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Sounds like hogwash to me. <laughs>
0: anyway, that's the first time it shows up in literature. Orlando Furiosa. Get into the whole epic poetry thing. It's really fun. Check it out. Really fun.
1: Very cool. I just had a really, really quick little pop culture pick this week. It is the game Animal Revolt Battle Simulator. It came out in 2020. Who says 2020 didn't have a few good things? This game was one of them. <laughs> this game is about pitting real and fictional animals against one another in different settings and having them fight to the death. It's super dumb. It's super fun. It's an, actually, it's an actual real game that you can buy. Sometimes I'll stream it in the Facebook discussion group just for laughs. You can get it on Steam for about 13 bucks, and it's an early access game, so the developers are still working on it and adding to it and getting all the bugs out. It doesn't feature a hippogriff per se, so I had to use the, the animals that were available to me and the modifiers, the, the things that you could do to the animals to kind of like, you know, give them little special powers and stuff. So I took a wyvern, which is like a flying dragon kind of thing, and I put some human arms on the front of it that it can punch with, and I put a rocket launcher on its back, and it looked pretty cool. I don't know if it's anything, probably not anything like a hippogriff, but that's what I made, and I called it a hippogriff. So Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's probably probably not very close to the real thing, but it, it was fun. It was fun to do.
0: Yeah, I
2: don't think you necessarily want to give a, a, a rocket launcher to a hippogriff. It doesn't seem like you need to.
0: (laughs) It sounds kind of like they might eat it, but, you know.
1: Eat it, chase it, play fetch with it, bring it home with you before it explodes.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness, not good. Yeah.
1: A hippogriff with a jackalope in its talons sounds like the most incredible weapon ever. Yeah,
0: it's a bad idea. That's the definition of a a bad bad. idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) So what pop culture did you get for us there, Cotton? Mr. Shorts? Well...
2: I don't know if you've ever seen this kid's show called My Little Pony. They do have hippogriffs on there every now and then. They have all sorts of talking animals. They got this one show where the little pony sisters have to go and basically save the hippogriffs because, well, I I can get behind that. (laughs) They do have this bit at the end where the hippogriffs play trumpets, and I just kind of object to that in the principles that hippogriffs don't have lip.
0: (laughs) Well, that was a little clip that we heard at the beginning of the show. I'm assuming they don't actually have a happy to be a hippogriff festival either. <laughs> well,
2: we have annual hippogriff day up here. It's uh, the same day as the 4th of July because you know, that the hippogriff was the original symbol of the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: I did not know that.
2: The great steel of the United States was supposed to be a hippogriff, but the, but the guy who they assigned to make the thing couldn't draw horses. So we ended up with an eagle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. I did not know that. True fact. How come we
1: were not taught this in school?
0: <laughs> well, they don't want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Unbelievable.
2: <laughs> uh. Yep. We have a we have hippogriff celebrations over here. That's one of the reasons we shoot off the fireworks after all is to, to celebrate your Hippogriff propulsion systems.
0: Oh uh-huh, my <laughs> yeah. goodness. Well, there you go. Plus, they
1: really like to chase the things. <laughs> wow. That must be quite an air show.
0: No kidding. And yep. dangerous. Everything on that ranch is just ex- explosive.
1: <laughs> it really is.
0: crazy.
2: That, that's why we keep them out here in the desert rather than in town.
0: Yes, that's I That's why you see don't that. see
2: many of them in them civilized parts.
0: I can see that. All right, so let's go ahead and to do our mealtime. What's the matter with you? Aren't you hungry? Aren't you going to eat that? Come on, eat!
1: My wife is pushing hippogriff meat on us. Is hippogriff, is that poultry or red meat? Generally, it's considered
2: dark meat, but okay. the big ones are a bit too tough and they're, and they're gamey. It's kind of
1: like eating wild duck. They get kind of greasy. Sure. Well, it's probably all those veggie burgers that really has an <laughs> impact on how the how the animal's going to taste. <laughs> yep.
2: You basically have to own your own tofu farm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i wouldn't eat one because they're endangered so i wouldn't eat one but
1: oh they are endangered right I forgot if they about weren't that.
0: endangered i probably still wouldn't try them because of course you know have you tried the chicken it's my usual response <laughs> to new foods like the chicken is really good you should try it all right let's move on to our animal fact of the week is your brain a repository of useless information Or let's help everyone win that next trivia night, or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. So I found out that there has been a recent discovery that hippogriffs can fly for short periods in low Earth orbit. Though why they would do this, the scientists don't know. They just pop up there, and then they pop back down, and no one knows exactly why, but they have damaged a few satellites.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. My goodness.
0: Well, what's that about, Mr. Schwartz? Remember what I told you about constipated hippogriffs? Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. Some of them get inf- over, a little overinflated. <laughs> <laughs> and they just keep drifting upward until they get caught in a jet stream. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, they float up there and they get caught in a jet stream and... They get higher and higher and higher until they hit a level of vacuum that, that, that kind of uncorks them.
1: So they're not going after the satellites. They're just up there as a result of their constipation and bloating, and, and the satellites just kind of run into them.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, they will chase anything shiny that moves.
1: Don't get me wrong. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so it's probably not entirely accidental. All right. Like the, the cat chasing chasing the laser pointer, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Sure, that makes sense.
0: Uh, well, it sounds like most of them make it back, so at least there's that. So, thank you so much for coming yep. to join us today on our show again. We really love having you. Thanks for coming back.
2: Happy to be here just about any time as they pull down the um the radio barrier.
0: Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Well, thank you so much for coming. I've got,
2: after last year's debacle, I've got like 18,000 emails to get through.
0: Well, good luck with that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes wow. definitely good luck with that thank you very much
2: oh you're welcome See, get off of that no, no.
0: <laughs> do not fight that no oh no You oh, no. you oh, no. like he's getting pretty busy we better let him out
1: oh dear okay hey thanks for listening this show was brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and music by Kevin McLeod. our Bunkle Talent today was Stacy and Frosty and Justine and Santiago thanks everybody again for listening and until next time Take it away, Cotton Shorts. Right, be nice to animals. You've been listening to a podcast of the PodFix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at PodFixNetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at PodFix on Twitter, official underscore PodFix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to PodFix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The PodFix Network. Artist owned and loved.
2: I told you not to eat that.
1: (laughs) That is a tire.